We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley is behind the glass. You guys with us. 215-592-9494. Here's what we got coming up. Over the next hour show of the show, in a minute or two, we'll talk to Trey Wingo, one of our favorite guests on the NFL each week. Later this hour, bottom of the hour, we'll replay for you the best of Dave Dombrowski today. Really, a lot of topics hit on Bryce Harper, the surgery timeline, what kind of surgery could be happening next Wednesday. Um, Reese Hoskins, will he be traded or not? Howard had a great question. Sam Fold, I thought, really hit on why they like Reese, despite the flaws in his game. And it was kind of interesting listening to the messaging of, of who their shortstop is right now. And it's not Bryce and Stott. They didn't they kept not mentioning him as a shortstop, which could be a leverage play, I think, in the shortstop market. So a lot to get to, and then we'll react in a hot stove check-in at 9 p.m. tonight. First, let's take a call. Joe is in Feasterville. Joe's been waiting. Joe is on WIP. Hey, Joe. How you doing, Joe? Joe, I'm doing well tonight, buddy. What's on your mind? I just wanted to say, listen, the Eagles lost the game on turnovers. And soft defense, third down, third down, third and five, they got it, third and six, they got it, third and ten, they got it. It was horrible. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, Joe, they allowed 12 third down conversions. That's the most in franchise history in the game. Wow. Yeah, I knew it was bad. I, you know, I was watching the game. I thought, you know, when we came out looking good, I, I don't blame the offense, but how about the bad turnovers? How about the bad fumbles? Oh, the Joe, you know, the fumbles were, were horrendous, and and then that that interception that bounced out of AJ Brown's hands, that ball was perfect. It hit him right in the hands, and it just bounced out. I know. I mean, what happened? You know, one bad game's okay. I'll take it. I'll take it on the chin, and uh, you know, I'll move forward. Could we play next week? I didn't check the schedule. Colts, Colts on Sunday. Oh, Sunday one o'clock. Yes, uh, in Indianapolis oh. against the Colts. I won't beat them. I I hope. And, and, and listen, real quick. Well, um, I always ask this, guys, when I, uh, you know, when I call, mm-hmm. uh, 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 you know, the radio station, what's the favorite sandwich? What's your favorite sandwich? My favorite? That's a, well, I mean, I, I think if we're talking about like local sandwiches, you mean, or like my favorite sandwich well, to make in the I house? I mean, like cheesecake, hoagie. What do you go with? I mean, what's the good move on the football day? What sandwich you get? All right, Joe. Appreciate it. Well, so it's full disclosure. I am. I am no. I no longer eat meat. For the last few years, I've been a vegetarian. What would fat Joe have eaten on a? Uh, yeah, Sunday? more p- plant based Joe now. But um, back in the day, so of and I've had all these sandwiches. Like this hasn't been my whole life. I've had all of them, but I I like roast pork better than the cheesesteak. Or I, at least I did. I, I imagine it's the same. Has anything really changed in the last four years? No, they haven't really changed. Like sandwiches are pretty much the same as they were four years ago. Yes, um, a lot more seeded bread now. I w- if we're gonna nitpick the evolution of sandwiches. I know. Are you into that or not? I do like sesame seeds. Oh, I mean, so I do too. And for a while, I had to move away from sesame seeds in my house because my daughter was allergic to sesame. She's past it now. Who is she? Zaire Smith? Uh, yes, exactly. I mean, that's what, that's exactly what happened. We found out it's in a similar way. Now she wasn't a first round pick in the NBA. So like it wasn't, you know, it didn't ruin her career. Let's just put it that way. She's, she's a kindergartner now. She's fine. But 
I do like sesame rolls too. But I, I'll be also to go back in the day when I did eat um, roast pork cheesesteaks. I was never a big sandwich on a game day guy. Like I, I like I liked wings more on a game day. Now I, I try I gravitate towards the cauliflower wings uh, instead. But like I like that kind of buffalo flavor on a game day more than the sandwich. I'm more of a wings and pizza guy. Like, yeah, I, pizza. I like a food that you can keep going back for more. And like if you do have sandwich, like if you're making you know roast beef or roast pork sandwiches, like maybe get smaller rolls and you know have right. a couple sliders or something. Right, you go back upstairs to grab something. Like, uh, watching a football game is like a four-hour event. I don't want to blow my load eating a sandwich in the first quarter. Yeah, because this, the roast pork sandwich or the cheesesteak, it's probably gone halfway through the first quarter. Yeah, like I need something to snack on all day. Yes, I, I agree with that. Um, the other thing I, I do, I'll have uh, homemade nachos or something like that. Chips, salsa, that, that's kind of lazy, but you can just do that. Make your own nachos. Like I like that too for a, like a snack during the game. Yeah, I like chips. I have a mini crock pot. I like putting queso in. How many? I'm a big crock pot guy. Uh, it's it's tiny. It's a, it's about yay big. I know that doesn't work on radio, but you know you, now, you can hold it in one hand. All right, just to bring people in here, I I would say what Tucker just showed me feels like uh, maybe a quarter, a fifth of a regular crock pot. It like I bought a regular crock pot. This came with it as like a as, as a sidekick. Oh, how about that? I could use a mini crock pot because I I use them, but then like. It's also pretty big. You got to take the whole thing out, and then if you don't fill the whole thing up, doesn't it feel like you're wasting your time? A little bit, yeah. I want a mini crock pot now. All right, that's that's next up on my uh, my list. All right, we got a lot more to touch on here, but right now, Tucker, we're gonna have one of our favorite guests on, our guy Trey Wingo. Yeah, and the one and only Trey Wingo is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Your first bet is on Caesars. Bet up to twelve hundred and fifty dollars, and if you don't win, you'll get it back. It's a free bet. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 plus. And now joined as we are every week by the aforementioned Trey Wingo to talk some NFL and some Eagles. And Trey, we got a surprise on Monday night. The Eagles lose their first game. Uh, big favorites in the game. And, and they just they didn't play well. I mean, the turnovers went the other way on them. A, a lot of mistakes. And the big thing that we keep talking about here in Philadelphia is their run defense. Trey, how, how big yeah. of a deal do you think this is? Because we talked about it last week and then, and then it kind of played out where they just couldn't get off the field with all those uh, commanders runs. Yeah, Joe, great to be with you. And that was the difference in the game. I mean, it was a dominating line of scrimmage performance by, by Washington. You know, it was uh, 40 minutes holding the ball to under 20 for the Eagles. Um, you know, in the last three games, ever since Jordan Davis went out, I think the rushing yards given us 148, 152, and 168. So it's a significant issue. Hopefully, Linval Joseph, who they signed today, will help. And hopefully, Jordan comes back sooner than expected. But Right now, if you're the Eagles, well, you can excuse the loss, right? Hey, everyone's going to have a bad game. I mean, they had more turnovers in that game than they had the entire season, 4-3. So everyone's going to lay an egg. I mean, somehow the Colts beat the Chiefs. <laughs> so everyone's going to have a bad game. But the bigger picture going forward is can they get that run defense fixed? Yeah, and you mentioned uh, signing Linval Joseph here. It feels like they're trying to to patch this up until Davis gets back because there's really no and, and, and Trey, there might not be anyone in the league that's like Jordan Davis, but they really yeah. have given him a big role as a rookie, which is you're in on every first down and and you're gonna make us play a light box because you could almost handle two yeah. gaps all by yourself. It, it's it's funny he went down. I don't think it was a big deal here, but now we're seeing he's he's hard to replace. Yeah, he's a, he's a space eater that can move. Right, there, there's two kinds of sort of defensive linemen. There are space eaters, and there are space eaters that can actually be athletic. And Limbaugh Joseph, actually, I know it's his 13th NFL season, 
he, I think he's going to be pleasantly surprising to, in, in a good way to a bunch of Eagles fans. He can still play. Uh, you know, it's, it's like Melvin Ingram the last year, was, which was traded to the Chiefs for, I think, you know, a tackling dummy and a roll of tape. And he was awesome. And you can see how Melvin Ingram just was, uh, you know, once again, sort of a late signing has blossomed and done so well for the Miami Dolphins. I think Limbaugh Joseph is going to be pleasantly surprising in a very good way for Eagles fans. Trey, how big of a deal do you think the Dallas Goddard injury is going to be for the Eagles? And we're not sure exactly how long yeah. he'll be out. I mean, you know, it, the way it's been kind of projected or reported, it's, it's not season-ending, but he's on the IR. I'm thinking somewhere between four and, and six or seven weeks, so hopefully back before the postseason, but it's going to be a while. I, I just look at this. There's so few tight ends in the league, Trey, that could both block really well and be big-time yeah. receivers. He's one of them. Yeah, absolutely. He, um, he's, it's tough. Like, there are... There are very few tight ends that are matchup problems in terms of their skill set. Like, like the Cowboys love Dalton Schultz, and they're paying him, what, $11 million this year, which I don't quite understand. I mean, I like Dalton, but he can't do the things that Dallas Goddard can do. You know, he's, he's a Travis Kelsey-type player, for lack of a better term. He's big, he can move, and he's, he's, not, he's more than a willing participant uh, in, in the blocking game. So, you know, the other thing that it does, if you're, if, you know, if you're a defender – or our defensive coordinator saying, okay, let's make sure we, we take out the two stud wide receivers. We got to make sure AJ Brown and Devontae Smith doesn't beat us. Well, you saw, you know, for the, for, for most of this season, well, if you're going to do that, we'll just carve you up the middle with Dallas Goddard and Miles Sanders out of the backfield. It creates an, he creates mismatches that are hard to recover from defensively. And so now you're going to have to get a little more creative going forward with Philadelphia's offense. Trey, is it time to take the Minnesota Vikings really seriously uh, here in Philadelphia? Now, the Eagles played them, and they beat them, and that, that tiebreaker might end up deciding the home field advantage. But I, I think after week two here, it seemed like most fans in Philadelphia kind of put them aside and said, ah, oh, Eagles took care of them. They're not that good. They haven't lost since, yeah. and they went to Buffalo yeah. this weekend and pulled out a crazy victory. How good do you think this Vikings team is? Well, we'll find out, honestly, um, this week because they're playing the Cowboys, and believe it or not, they're a one-point home underdog to the Cowboys. The last time the Vikings beat the Cowboys in Minnesota was 2010 when the starting quarterbacks in that game were Tony Romo for the Cowboys and Brett Favre for the Vikings, and Randy Moss had five catches for 55 yards. For whatever reason, the Cowboys have been able to walk into, uh, walk into Minnesota and come away with a win a lot. But the Vikings are a really good team. And, you know, Kirk Cousins isn't sexy. He's not Jalen Hurts. He's not Josh Allen. He's not Patrick Mahomes. But he's really, really consistent. And he's really, really good at not making terrible decisions. Now, I don't like using him as a quarterback sneak on fourth and goal. I'd love a play actual waggle maybe to Dalvin Cook, but they got away with that because Josh couldn't execute the, uh, the, the quarterback sneak. But Minnesota, if you look at their weapons top to bottom on offense, they're as good as anybody in football. Their defense can be a little suspect, but they're opportunistic. They came up with two red zone stops in that game against Buffalo, which was the difference in the game, those two Patrick Peterson interceptions. So, um, I think they're going to be a tough out. And uh, you, you, look, you guys beat the crap out of them in week two. It wasn't even close. It was a, kind of like one of those games where a good team sort of plays with their food for a while when they get up big and they just sort of just let's get to the end of this. But uh, Minnesota, I think, is a much better team now than they were when Philly took them down in week two. We're talking to Trey Wingo here about some NFL as we move forward to week 11. Trey, I think if I said to you before the season there would be a division at the halfway point of the season that would have an 8-1 and one team, a 7-2 and two team, a 6-3 and three team, and a 5-5 and five yeah. team, you would have said, oh, the AFC West, of course, the Chiefs, the Chargers, Correct. the Broncos, the Raiders. Well, no, that's the NFC East. 
Trey, I mean, are you past the point now of expecting the regression to come? I, I, I am now. I mean, I don't think the Giants are going to win 14 games, but I mean, these teams, yeah. they win every week. And, and we might have a scenario. I know that might cannibalize each other in December, but there is an outside yeah. chance, Trey, that we get four playoff teams from the NFC East in the NFC this year. Four would be interesting. Uh, I could definitely see four would be, you know, historic, record-breaking. Uh, but it's, it's certainly possible, depending on how everything plays out. You know, it's funny because I have a lot of folks in Green Bay telling me, oh, the Packers saved their season with that win over Dallas. I'm like, look at their schedule. They're currently the nine seed in the NFC. And look at their – just go take a look at the, the Packers' schedule. It is brutal. they got to play the Vikings again. they got to play the Dolphins. They have to play a lot of really – they're playing Tennessee on Thursday, and they're one of the worst-run defenses in football. King Henry could carve them up on Thursday night. So I'm with you. The NFC East is murderer's row. The winning percentage in the NFC East right now is so far and above not only what we expected, but what we've seen historically from one division this late in the season. It's absolutely remarkable. Trey, let's look forward to this weekend. Eagles and the Colts, uh, a game that a week ago uh, people were kind of chuckling at, like, oh, the Colts are terrible. They got Jeff Saturday, who we talked about last week, a former colleague of yours coaching the team now. Well, a week later, it's funny to look at the uh, the betting line on the game because the Eagles were double-digit favorites. Then Sunday and Monday played out. Colts won under Jeff Saturday. Eagles lost their first game. Eagles dealing with some injuries now. And all of a sudden, that uh, that spread looks like it's less than a touchdown, about six and a half right now. I think the Eagles will, will bounce back and play more of the way they did for most of the season, but suddenly that game is interesting on Sunday, especially with Jonathan Taylor and the potential to run on this Eagles defense. Yeah, look, you know, I'm, you know, I'm thrilled for Jeff, and we talked about it last week. He's such a friend of mine, but it's, it's one thing to beat the Raiders. It would be another thing to beat Philadelphia, even with the injuries. And that six-and-a-half-point spread is interesting uh, because uh, when, when, the, uh, when the Colts have been a home, uh, home dog by six points or more of the last uh, five seasons, they're one and six straight up and two and five against the spread. But that lone win, weirdly enough, uh, was, uh, was uh, this year when they took down the Chiefs somehow in week three. Now, I have good news and bad news when it comes to Philadelphia in this situation. What do you want first, the good news or the bad news? Let's start, I always like to start with bad news, then I'll feel good at the end. I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. Okay, so we, we sort of tracked this over the last few seasons uh, about teams that start 8-0 and or better and what happens after their first loss, right? In, uh, in 11 of 14 meetings over the last 10 seasons, after an undefeated team that was 8-0 and or better loses their first game, uh, 11 of the 14 then went on to lose the next game before they turned it around. So that's sort of the historical bad news for Philadelphia. But here's the good news. Eight and one is without question the best thing anyone in Philadelphia could want. This is the sixth time the Eagles have started eight and one. Every other of the five times that they started eight and one, they've either won the NFL championship or appeared in the final game, which is a fancy way of saying they've made it to three Super Bowls, won a Super Bowl, and before the Super Bowl era, the two times they started eight and one, they actually won the NFL championship. So you should feel good about that for Philadelphia because eight and one historically you guys have played for the title, which means you're going to Arizona. So you've convinced me now not to panic if they lose the Colts this weekend and said to double down that they're going to be in the Super Bowl. That, that, that's the way I read that. There it is. And, and make sure you make all those bets using the Caesar Sportsbook app, my man. Of course. Talking to Trey Wingo here. Trey, um, we talked on the about the MVP race last week, and, and then it, yeah. it kind of got flipped upside down a little bit because Jalen Hurts lost, although I didn't think he played poorly. The Eagles lost, so he doesn't have the undefeated thing next to him anymore. And Josh Allen... 
you know, we touched on that Bills-Vikings game, but the Josh Allen factor, it's it's back-to-back weeks where he's just not playing well enough and turning the ball over within the red zone uh, at, a, at yeah. a considerable amount. Trey, last time we talked, I think we had the three big quarterbacks and we were debating the order, whether it be Mahomes, Allen, Hurts. And, Trey, I, I doubted this guy, but I, I think it's time that we have to put Tua in this mix. I mean, the way he's moving that Dolphins offense, Tua strikes me as a very legitimate MVP candidate right now. Well, his last three games, he's thrown three touchdowns, no interceptions, 300 yards, and completed, I think, 70% of his passes in three straight games. Absolutely, he has to be in that conversation. And Jalen shouldn't get dinged for this loss. He was hardly on the field. Like, you know, it wasn't his fault Quez fumbled that ball. You know, it wasn't his fault that Goddard fumbled, even though there was a face mask there. I understand that. And they missed it. It's going to happen. You know, those things are going to happen. So I don't think Jalen gets too dinged for this thing. I would just say – I'll, I'll default to the thing I've said all along. Patrick Mahomes is the best player in football, and I don't think it's particularly close. You know, I, let, let's take it this way. Okay, of all the top quarterbacks in the NFL, whether it's Jalen Hurts, Tua Tonga-Vailoa, uh, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, would any of those quarterbacks trade their wide receivers for the cadre of Chiefs wide receivers? And I think the honest answer is no. Yet somehow with those guys – not only are they right now sitting pretty with the best record in the AFC, they're the highest scoring offense in football, despite moving on from Tyreek Hill. And Patrick Mahomes is leading the league in yards and touchdown passes, even though his closest competitors have actually played one more game than him. It's remarkable. And I agree with you. He is the best player in football. It's always like we're looking for the next shiny thing to move him out of the top spot, but he's that right. guy. Let's end with this, Trey. And, you know, and your various roles over the years, you've, you've been on shows that have talked daily about NFL potential rule changes and every year at the owners' meetings when they discuss this stuff. You know, you mentioned that Goddard play on Monday, uh, the face mask that they miss, and, and refs miss calls. It happens. Sure. But do you think we soon should be at the point where penalties, certain penalties could be reviewable? It just was laughable to me that they went into the booth or they, they looked at that replay to make sure he fumbled, right? They have to review all pen, all turnovers. And they saw sure. it, right? They, like all yeah. of us, rewatched it, and they must have thought to themselves like, oh, wow, we missed that. And they couldn't do anything about it because that's just the way it's set up. Do you think penalties should be reviewable? Well, they tried that a couple of years ago, remember? After the disaster of the, the non-PI right. call in the NFC Championship game. And then they said, okay, we're going to make pass interference reviewable. And I'm telling you, Joe, I watched so many games where it was clear that literal assault was taken, was, was, had taken place against a wide receiver, and it was so blatantly obvious, and they still didn't turn it over. So it's not only – I'm for that change. Like, I think that's a great idea. Hey, look, we saw something. It's clear and obvious. We should fix it. The problem is when they even went through that system, they still didn't fix it. So it would be one thing to say, hey, you can review it, but then you have to have the guts to do it. And, I, and the, the NFL and the refs just didn't have the guts to do it the last time this was presented. So even if they put that rule in place, then you have to actually enact it. And my question is, are they actually going to do that? But I would love to see that. I mean, it's, it was so clear and obvious. Yeah, and it, it could be a mechanism to fix problems when, when they accidentally happen. Trey, we always appreciate hopping on. Have a great week, and uh, we'll catch up again soon. Thank you, Trey. You got it, Joe. Take care, buddy. Great stuff uh, from Trey Wingo, as always. Tucker, we always uh, love having Trey Wingo on the show. And you know, Joe, that the one and only Trey Wingo is brought to you by Caesars, and your first bet is on Caesars. 
Bet up to $1,250, and if you don't win, you get it back as a free bet. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21+. plus. Yeah, he was pretty high on the Linval Joseph side. I think there's some, there's some decent snaps left in, in that big guy in the middle here for the Eagles. So we shall see, but he tends to think the Eagles will bounce back Sunday against the Colts. I hope he is right. 215-592-9494. That's how you hop in. React to what Trey Wingo said when we get back. Let's listen. The best of Dave Dabrowski today and Sam Fulton of the Phillies this offseason, the Bryce Harper surgery. Will Reese Hoskins be on the trade block? And the messaging at the shortstop position, the Phillies sound like they think they have a shortstop, except his name is not Bryce's Stott. We'll let you hear all that next, and we'll react to it in a hot stove check-in right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley is behind the glass. You guys with us. 215-592-9494. Great conversation there with Trey Wingo on the Eagles and NFL. And today, I didn't even know this was coming. The Phillies like to sneak attack these press conferences. Did you know this was happening this morning? I didn't. I woke up and I had like a Zoom call with somebody and in the middle of it, Dave Dombrowski popped up on my Twitter feed. Yeah, I didn't know, and then I saw it. And I was like, oh, i got to listen to this this afternoon so we could talk about it. Uh, so we decided, some of you may have missed it, because the Phillies do often kind of just do these pop-up press conferences at the end of the season. Now, in years past, they've been kind of disastrous when they rolled like Clentak and McPhail out there. It was almost laugh-out-loud kind of comedy that just made you just like shake your head. This one was different, because this is coming from a, a position of, hey, they know what they're doing. They were just in the World Series. Let, let's see what they do next. Let's listen to it. Uh, the best of Dave Dabrowski today, along with Sam Fold, who did, I believe, get one question directed at him. I think Marcus Hayes just felt bad. We made sure we kept that in there. Yeah, I, I think Marcus Hayes probably just felt bad and wanted to make sure Sam didn't feel totally useless on the podium. I, I like Sam Fold, um, but obviously it's tough when they have the two, you know, the two GM or executives. You know, one person's going to get more of the questions. But Dabrowski, Fold, answer questions. Bryce Harper, surgery, Reese Hoskins, trades. Shortstop Marcus, starting pitchers. When will Andrew Painter be here? All that. Let's listen, and then we'll react afterwards to Dave Dabrowski and Sam Fold this morning on the Phillies' year-end press conference. Where the paved road ends, you're available to take some questions as they take a couple break, a little break from their scouting meetings upstairs. So if you have a question, just raise your hand. We'll pass you a mic, as Todd Zalecki has already. And we'll go starting with Todd. Hey, Dave. Uh, Good morning. Morning. Uh, Bryce saw... Dr. Elitrash on Monday. Yes. What is the update? He is uh, going to have surgery next Wednesday, a week from today, by Dr. Elitras. Um, we have no prognosis really until he goes into the elbow and takes a look at it at that time. But he will have surgery uh, on Wednesday. So we don't know if it's Tommy John or there was another one that's more similar yeah. to the Reese Hoskins yes, surgery. Yes, we're not sure of that. We're not sure of that. Okay. So um, uh, at this point, uh, we'll, I mean, we'll have something at that time with the surgery um, and, and the anticipation something will happen. Um, I would think it will slow him down for the season, but we'll know more next week. Does that impact how you tackle the offseason or not? Well, it could, um, but I don't know that until we really get the, the full diagnosis of it. 
So, uh, I mean, we're having the meetings now. We cover every single, hopefully every single topic we can think of, possible clubs, free agent signings, trades, all of that stuff. So, um, you know, in the back of our mind, there is some, uh, will be discussions of, you know, what do we do if, which may be nothing, you know, because, you know, we're in a situation that, I mean, right now we're looking at it coming back in DH and at some portion of it, we have other players that can DH, you know, between, you know, when you look around Schwarber and Castellanos and Hoskins and Bohm and Riamoto, if we want to give them some time off. So we need to kind of fit that all into the total picture of what we'll be doing. Bryce had said this summer that if he had Tommy John, if it got to that extreme, he kind of compared, Otani had Tommy John surgery where he ended up coming, missing a little bit of time early on and then DHing. Is that kind of your understanding of it as well? Well, the possibility, the problem you end up, um, and just, and that's why it's, everybody's ligament's different on where it could be torn and how much of a tear it is and all. So until they get in there, we're really not sure. Okay, go to John in the back, middle. So, so for your planning purposes, when you go into this, not knowing maybe the amount of time, are you looking at you could possibly not have him for a f the first couple months or, you know, it could be half a season that he's able to, to be out there in DAG? I really don't have anything more to say on it that, you know, other than that because I have to really wait. So that's really where we are on it. We just have to wait and see what happens. So, okay. Scott, right in the front. You guys got through, you know, two months without him this year um, mm -hmm. and had a really – good record during that time. Um, can you kind of lean on, you know, guys like Derek Hall and, and, you know, some guys who helped get you through during the season? Is that kind of something that's been discussed is that, hey, look, we, we did this during the year. We can do this for two months or three months next year. Well, we like some of our alternatives that we have. I mean, and I, I think like anything else, you, you determine how you're going to address your club in total. I mean, we've talked about, I mean, we've lost free agent players. Um, it's left us with starting pitching need. I mean, some of it from internal, but also to look at that market. We've talked about, you know, Gene is not back with us at this point. Uh, we have flexibility to look at what the middle infield situation would be. So we have some different things that relief pitching because um, we lost some of those. So I think you fit all of those things in together and see what you think makes your best club. But we do have some people that we like, um, and I think it de is dependent upon. I think it again, when we originally and sometimes best laid plans go for naught. I mean, when we originally made the Schwarber Castellanos signing, the, the idea was that one of them would be our DH the majority of the time and went play in the outfield. Well, they both played in the outfield, so it does open up the position that you could have some flexibility on who you DH for a short time period. But do you do? We like what Derek Hall did for us. We like Derek Hall. Um, do we think that using him in a role, depending upon the time, compared to what other moves we may make, gives us the best chance to win? We'll just have to wait and see. Okay, Tim in the back, in the center. Dave, what did you see from Castellanos this year that maybe his production wasn't at the level it's typically been? Well, I mean, Castellanos is normally a, an offensive force. I mean, he, he can hit, and he uses the whole field. He drives the ball. Um, I think probably one of his biggest problems, I mean, he has always been in a situation where 
Um, he's not a real disciplined strike zone hitter. This year he was even um, worse in that regard. So I don't think that that helped him at times. I'm not sure how much of it also was with dealing with all the adjustments that just come with signing with a new club, all the adjustment, new baby coming into the life in May, um, all of that. So I, some of that could be a, from a mental perspective. I, there's no reason why he still should not hit with authority. Sometimes you just got to take that step back, have a winter time, and come back. But I mean, if you watch him take batting practice, he still drives the ball all over the place. He still has tremendous power. He's a hitter. Um, he did not have a good year offensively this year, but um, I think he'll also have to come with some additional strikes on discipline. Beyond the oblique injury, was he dealing with anything throughout the season? No. Oh, well, I can't say he ever had nothing, because I, but nothing of major consequence. And, and I really, at the end, it's a shame, because he really started to swing the bat better, and then he had the oblique, which shut him down. And we had, a, we had to hurry him back, of course, for the postseason. So it's hard to kind of jump in after that time down and come back and hit. So um, he gave it everything he can. He had some good, good plate appearances. But I don't think that at the end of the season would be his actual best because he just didn't have the time to come back and properly get his timing back. Okay, Alex in the front left. This is for either Dave or Sam. Um, <clears throat> there are a bunch of rule changes heading into the 2023 season, but specifically – um, with the ban of the defensive shift, how do you think that that'll impact some of your decision making this off season? Well, I, I don't think um, there are changes. I mean, and of course, you take those into consideration. So, banning of the shift, uh, it may change some of the players' batting averages, but depends on who that is. I'm not sure that you put a lot. We already have a guy like Schwarber and Hoskins that are two of the better guys that should benefit by that. Um, I, I do think it comes into play on your defense up the middle um, because you can't shift over to the other. So you can't cover a guy that maybe doesn't have as much range as another player would be. But I still think you can cover for some of that still by shifting. So it comes into play. But um, I'd have to say um, to a point. We, we still haven't been a club that has just Signed, we had Gene, so we were we had a benefit in that regard. And Stott has good range at second base, so we really don't have the stationary type second baseman that some clubs may have more of, because they knew that they could shift themselves out of that. We really haven't had those type of guys at second. Follow up on Nick. What gives you the confidence that next season he can perform in this market to the level that you expect him to perform? I don't think this market was his reason behind not performing. I mean, some people, I think, could be like that. I don't think that was his reason. I think um, he's always hit, and you look at people that are hitters, they do have a downtime. Um, sometimes they try too hard coming off as free agents. He did have a lot of adjustments in his life. I mean, all things he really needs to, to work through, it just didn't happen for him, but I think... Having all that with the winter time where he can kind of just settle in and be ready to go, I think will benefit him a great deal. Okay, Todd on the left. Would you guys be surprised if he didn't get one of those four free agent shortstops, considering the need right now? Um, I wouldn't say that I'd be surprised. I just would say that, again, we're open to a lot of things. We have a shortstop that we like in Sosa. Um, so we'll just wait and see. 
Okay, Jimmy on the right. Dave, uh, just on Bryce, did your doctors looked at him last week, and yes. did they also come to the same conclusion as Dr. Elatrosh that he needed surgery? Um, well, they were going to wait till Dr. Dr. Elatros saw him, and so they thought the possibility exists. Our trainer Paul Bukite went out there with him, so he was at both of the visits. And then Dr. Cohen is still on the phone with Dr. Elatros at that time. So, um, so we had you know, consistent information. But I think also the feeling is we just need to wait till they get in there. Yeah. Yes. And how about Wheeler? How's his condition? Obviously, he threw really threw well that last night, but um, there were you know spent some time a month on the IL, and there was that fatigue issue. Is he is he healthy in in you guys' analysis? In your guys' analysis? Yes. Is nothing medically planned for him this offseason? Well, you know, let me just say, there's a lot of players that have health things that we follow up on um, that I really can't disclose with HIPAA type of rules. But, um, and numerous. I mean, basically, after a long season, almost every player you have some type of follow-up on. But we don't have any type of medical concerns at this point with him going into next next season and and on, on Reese Hoskins is anything planned with him for the winter um, to work on his defense <laughs> well I, I don't can't say that there's anything he's gonna be doing in the winter time for his defense um, you've had, you've done that with other players over the years. yeah but you know he worked hard on it and he'll work hard in the spring and maybe something somebody will talk to him at some point right now um, we know I mean, Reese is one, he, he actually improved metrically when you look at it this year compared to how he has been in the past. Um, he's not a gold glove first baseman. I think you just have to come up with the reality. He works very, very hard. I'm sure he'll work, continue to do that during spring training. We don't have any specifics right now, but we just, we're just finishing the season and getting through the year. Um, you know, does he go down to Clearwater early and somebody's there? I, I cannot answer that at this point. Just wondering where you come down on in your quest to improve the club um, in terms of need. Would it be lineup? We, we know what the shortstop market is, middle infield flexibility, or possibly rotation with, you know, Wheeler and Nola experience some fatigue. You might be breaking in a young guy next year. Would you be looking to improve that rotation either with depth or even maybe more than that, something maybe that, that profiles closer to the top of the rotation? Well, uh, in this way, it's, we're open to – and feel that we probably need to do something from a starting pitching perspective, at least somebody there are depth, even though we have the big three guys. And we have Falter and Sanchez and somebody like Painter coming. We know how important depth is. So we're open-minded to that. doesn't necessarily have to be a top-of-the-rotation type guy, but we like to – we'll explore that market. I think like every almost every other club in baseball, we're going to be open-minded to the relief pitching we, we lost some of those guys, too, even though we have a nice foundation of Sir Anthony Alvarado, Brogdon back, and some other people back there. Um, and then we're going to just keep kind of open-minded towards middle infield. You know, we have with Gene's situation being a free agent. We have the versatility of playing Stott at short or second. And uh, we'll just kind of explore where that takes us. Okay. John Clark in the middle. One other question about Bryce. Uh, going into the examinations, was there hope and was there some expectations that maybe he wouldn't need surgery? So is there disappointment that this is the outcome with either the team or Bryce? Well, I can't say there was expectations of that. I mean, we know something was wrong there. Um, so we just didn't really know what to expect at that point. We always knew this was a possibility. We've known that for 
for months, really. I mean, and I think everybody else knew that when he was shut down. Um, we wouldn't know until he got examined, and that was going to wait till after the season, which is what ended up happening. So there was no, I can't say, just, we just had to wait to see what took place. Okay, Mike on the right. Dave, uh, the wear and tear of the playoffs, do you see Nola, Wheeler, Ranger being healthy uh, at the start of the season and 100% ready to go? And also, what do you, the three rookies, do you see any of them possibly in the starting rotation at the start of next season? Well, um, the three rookies being which three are you referring to? Painter, McGarry, and Abel. Abel, okay. So um, those guys at this point, I mean, Wheeler – um, Nola Suarez, they're healthy. You know, they pitched a lot of innings. I mean, you're always going to watch that going into the next year. But I'm not, I don't know why they wouldn't be ready to pitch the season. Something, you know, I mean, they're ready to go. They'll be ready to go. Um, I've had this throughout my career that pitchers were going, you know, some of the best four years in a row making the playoffs and pitching these numbers of innings or more. And we're already ready to go. So I, I don't really think that that's an issue. But, you know, if somebody is a little bit tired or a little bit sore, you have to be cognizant of that when you get into spring training. But that's like any other pitcher. I mean, you always are aware of those type of things. Um, as we said, those three guys will come to spring training with us. Um, I can't say there's the anticipation that they're going to make our rotation to start the season. Some are further along than others. Um, but they'll be in camp, and once you're in camp, anything can happen. We are keeping a spot open for a youngster. And when I say youngster, not only includes those three, that's why I asked who else would Walter and Sanchez fit into that category and anybody else who may may join it. Now, could two? Yeah, may, perhaps two could, but we're really only looking at one. That's why I think when we talk about adding somebody, I think makes sense because when you start, uh, not that two at some point, won't be pitching in your rotation at some time. And Falter pitched, I guess, half a season, uh, primarily from a starting perspective, and he, he won five, six games for us this year, starting. So, um, but I, I do think that having another veteran arm, we lost Syndergaard, we've lost Gibson, we lost Eflin. When I say that they're free agent, doesn't mean that none of them can't come back. But we do need to, in our own mind, fill a slot like that. Okay, Howard in the front. Dave, uh, you, it sounds like you left the door open for Segura as a free agent to possibly come back. The first question with that is, if you sign a shortstop, is that kind of out of the picture? And the, the second part of my question is, is Zach Eflin a possibility also, or has that ship sailed? Well, first of all, I think we would sign one middle infielder if we do that. So I don't think um, whomever it would be, if it be a second baseman or a shortstop, we have Stott, we like Stott, we want Stott to play. We think he's only going to get better. We do like Sosa too, but I think at least knowing that we do want Stott to play, we could use Sosa as a utility guy, but we think Stott's an everyday player. So if we sign one, it precludes anything else at this point. Um, the second part was in regard – oh, yeah, and Zach Eflin. So in Zach – we like Zach. Um, we like him a lot. Um, the door's not closed on him by any means due to our likeness. It would just be a matter of what somebody does contractually, what we would do contractually for whatever reason. Okay, Bill on the right. 
Um, kind of to follow up, you know, because you have so many young pitchers that could be ready sooner rather than later, if you get into the uh, starting pitcher market, would you prefer to do something like on a one-year deal, something shorter term so that those guys aren't blocked? Um, I think we're open-minded to various alternatives. We'll just have to kind of weigh where it comes. We do like our, our young starting pitching, but I've also kind of learned that you never have too much depth um, with, at that position. And if you ever end up having too much, you always have trade possibilities too. Um, Nola, sorry, I have two more. Um, Nola, um, you picked up his option. Are you going to open the negotiations with him on a longer-term contract? Well, I just would say we'd love to have Aaron in the organization for a long time. And then, listen, I guess luxury tax, do you feel you'll be over it again? Would you like to stay under it? Does it? Are you kind of open-minded on that? Well, without any declaration, you'd always like to stay under because, again, I've said before, you'd really rather not be penalized because that's why they call it a penalty. But um, I think we're open-minded to having the best club we possibly can and see where it takes us. Okay, Alex on the left. Um, uh, last season when Bryce went down, it opened a spot for Derek Hall on the roster. Do you guys see that as a possibility, um, depending on how much time he misses because of surgery in 2023? It could be. Yeah, I mean, I mean we like Derek Hall. Um, he did a good job for us. He really did. So. Um, it provides us some flexibility in that regard. So he could be a guy that would uh, benefit because of that. And then a quick second question. Following up on um, the spot that you're envisioning for a younger pitcher, um, just what would you need to see from them, I guess, out of spring training? Like, what are you looking for in particular? Well, usually you're looking to have, um, first of all, you have stuff to get big league hitters out. That's a good place to start. Secondly, um, their secondary pitches that they can throw more than one pitch for strikes. Uh, how do they do things as fielder position, um, hold runners on, those parts of it. How do they fit in from a comfort standpoint? Do they seem like they're overwhelmed to come into the situations can also be important. Um, the consistency of throwing strikes. Those are all factors that would come into play. Dave, right in the middle. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, Dave, to follow up on the tax, I understand you want to you prefer to stay under sure. it, but um, coming within two wins of a world championship after going over it for the first time ever this past season, how much does getting that close make you want to do something to push the needle a little bit? Well, we're going to push the needle to try to win. I mean, we're close, right? I mean, we're going to try to win. Uh, we won. Um, and I think we have a good ball club. We really played well uh, after the first third of the season, basically, and including the postseason. So we're going to try to win. Again, you asked me what I prefer to be under. Yeah, I would prefer to be under it, but I didn't say we were going to be under it. So we're going to try to do what we can to make our club a championship caliber club. But we also want to be, you know, I, I, we want to be good for years to come, too. So I, I don't want to look like, hey, we're just going to sacrifice everything. We, we, we did. One of the reasons we were able to win was also that the young players playing well for us. And I think good clubs have young players that contribute. So we want to be able to continue that type of trend for us. Okay, Marcus on the left. One for Sam. <clears throat> Sam, when you look at what Reese did this year, um, how do you regard his season and what you got kind of for the value and what his value is next season, considering what his arbitration number is probably going to be? Yeah, I think Reese was a really productive part of our lineup, part of our offense. Um, you know, like like in years past, he, he carried us at times. Obviously came up with a couple huge hits in the postseason and, and helped us advance to where we ended up getting. 
Um, he he had a he had a a good solid year. I think you know, Reese has forever been able to carry a team, and he's shown that throughout the course of his Phillies career. And I think uh, he's also had times where where there were you know two three weeks where he he struggled to get on base and struggled to kind of maintain that same at bat quality. I thought he did a good job of sort of smoothing out those waves this year. I thought he was this may have been his most consistent offensive year. Um, as Dave said, he continues to work hard at, on the defensive end. Um, and really, I think you can't state enough what he means in the clubhouse. He, he's, a, he's a really valuable member of that, that group. He's really been the core of, of, of this group for a long time. So despite all the good things that he does you know, between the lines, I think what, what we really appreciate maybe most out of Reese is just um, what he brings to, to, to his teammates, you know, the, the kind of player he is, um, kind of kind of relationships he has with, with staff. It's it's all really, really good stuff, and I, I don't think we can ever lose sight of that. Uh, both you guys had just said really good things about Reese Hoskins. I have no problem with that. But I got to deal with the fans calling in and addressing what was a lot of the obvious questions. So my question, what are you laughing about? Uh, my, my question is, is the starting eight pretty much untouchable, I broadened it, uh, for trades? Well, I, I, I would never make a statement like that because you never know at this time of year what ends up happening. We're just starting the winter time. We're very comfortable with the club that we have. But um, I would never make a declaration on any team that anybody's untouchable. So, you know, we deal with the fans, too. So um, you're not the only one. I will tell you, I mean, I was during the postseason, I was jogging through the town and people were stopping their car and saying, hey, great. Hey, great. Reese is fantastic. He just hit the home run right. You know, oh, fantastic. Then after the one game when we went through, I was jogging through town, somebody stopped our, their car and said, what are you doing? You got to get rid of Reese Hoskins, right? And so it comes with the territory. So we deal with it, too. But I, I think that that's why you, Sam talked about it. You, you can't – it's a long season. It's a long season of ups and downs. And even in the postseason, it's a long season of ups and downs, even though it would only be a one month or seven games in a World Series, or in our case, six. So you have to deal with that. And, and I think you, you – the way I would look at it, and I'm, I'm only a little surprised because when I talk about the city of Philadelphia and – in many ways, a blue-collar type of nature and a work ethic. Reese Hoskins works his tail off. He works as hard as anybody possibly can. And he does the best to try to make himself the, the best player possible. But he's not a gold-glove first baseman, for example. I mean, it's just he's made himself better. He also is a somewhat streaky hitter. So when it's going good, it's great. And when it's not going good, it's not so good. But the one thing about him is, like Sam said, consistency of showing up in the clubhouse, working hard. Um, you couldn't find a better person than, than this. So um, to me, it's one of those that, that you have to understand your players. And there's a lot of good things about him. But he, he's not the perfect player, right? I mean, that's just the way it is. Like he's going to be here. Yeah. Well, I... I'm not, again, anointing that, but we are tendering him a contract. Um, so once you tender a contract, unless something comes up, you're, yeah. 
So you could tell him that, he, the, yeah, he's, he's the leading candidate to be our opening day first baseman. How's that? That's the way I'm describing Reese Hoskins from now on. The leading candidate to be the opening day first baseman. There's a lot to react to there. Dabrowski talking about the Bryce Harper surgery. The Hoskins, you know, the, the way they think about Hoskins, the way we think about Hoskins, Howard Eskin saying he's got to deal with you guys calling in a WIP. <laughs> Apparently people yelling at Dabrowski as he goes for runs in Philadelphia. When he he's runs. like a runner. Yeah, he is. Um, I think he runs along the Schuylkill. Do you think Dave he might. Do you want to camp out by the scoop? I was going to, I mean, I, I want to do a remote there. I was going for Dave Dombrowski to was, pass on his morning jog. I was kind of thinking, you know how some people do, like there's been, um, what does Peter King do? The ride around, right? They, they, he goes in a, I'm sure the coaches appreciate Peter King drinking coffee. There and, are very few people I would like to see on my doorstep at 3 a.m. <laughs> like, imagine waking up groggy to start the day and here's Peter King asking you a million questions on your drive to work. But I was thinking, what if we did I run with, with Dave Dombrowski? I feel like it'd be tough to get a question in. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm not thinking like it's a sprint. I think we could. I mean, I, Dave strikes me as a, a runner, like he can handle himself running four or five miles. He probably That's does it true. often. I, I want to run with Dave Dombrowski. We should set this up with the Phillies. I, I want to go for a run with Dave Dombrowski. We'll talk Phillies and we'll try to record it so we could play it on the air. Now, if it's windy or one of us out of breath, it might not sound great, but I, I think it'd be fun. Anyway, lot to react to off of that. Hot stove check in coming up next. 215 592 9494. Your reaction to the Phillies today. End of season press conference with Dombrowski with Fold, including the shortstop stuff and Castellanos. I thought it was interesting the way. Dabrowski was honest, critical, and kind of hopeful in the future of Nick Castellanos in Philadelphia. It's coming up next. We'll react to all of that on Sports Radio 94 WIP. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.